0: Hello, this is Lafayette Faust, creator of the Nevermore Hollows podcast. Thank you for making the show a success. Please take a moment to subscribe, give five stars, comment, and share the show with your friends. It's the best way to help us grow and to be able to continue to provide quality horror content. Also please support our new art director, Chris Madman Goins at Black Sheep Studios TN on Instagram. He has some amazing Nevermore Hollows art for sale, signed by the both of us, as well as many other original pieces I think you're going to love. Now, for you horror hounds who like to have a good laugh, I invite you to check out my other podcast, It's called The Three Uncool Cats. In it, my two friends and I sit in a basement and discuss music, movies, and whatever else comes into our warped minds. I would really appreciate it if you would give it a listen. Now, with that out of the way, I invite you to sit back, turn on a light, and prepare yourself. Welcome back to Nevermore Hollows. I am Lafayette Faust, observing the demonic battles that happen here and reporting them from my hidden bunker. The other night, a group of young women went camping in the dark woods of Dunwich Forest. The evening begins in peace, quickly metamorphoses into terror, and ends in carnage. Their story is a dark one that should challenge you to always be on guard and to never accept the reality that is presented to us because there is always something wicked at work just beyond our initial perceptions. Katie Culpepper's eyes fluttered open. She was groggy disoriented, and her head pounded with each heartbeat. Her wrists and shoulders burned as if they were being slowly pulled out of joint. She was dizzy, and everything was a blur. Where where am I? What's happening? She took slow, steadying breaths to clear her head. After a moment, she was able to discern her surroundings. Oh, shit. Oh, no. No, no. Katie realized that someone had bound her hands with rope. They had looped the other end of the rope over a massive oak branch. She hung from her wrists about three feet off the ground. Oh no, what's happening? As fear surged through her, so did adrenaline, clearing the fog from her mind. She realized that it was night, and that she was in the woods and that pale beams of moonlight shone through the dark canopy, washing the scene in a fairy glow. She looked to her left and saw that a campfire flickered ten feet away, and there were bodies of three young women. They were splattered with blood. There was also the body of a man, dressed in camouflage. His throat had been slit. "'No!' she cried. "'She did not know the man.' But she knew these women. They were her friends. Tara, Nancy, Allison, are you okay? Wake up. What happened? Katie couldn't remember anything. The way her head ached and her lack of memory made her think that she'd either bumped her head or someone had hit her, knocking her out, giving her a concussion. Why are we here in the woods? I need to get loose. I have to get help. Though her wrists were bound, she was able to grasp the rope with both hands. She tried to pull herself up the tree limb, but pain seared through her shoulders. A crack of a gunshot boomed from the dark woods, followed by a scream. Oh, shit! That was Andra! Suddenly, it all came back to her. She and her sisters, Tara Kara, Nancy, Allison, and Andra loved to celebrate each other's good fortune by camping as a group, and they had come to Nevermore Hollows to celebrate Tara's promotion at work and to seek clarity for Allison, who was in the early stages of opening up a clothing boutique. They had arrived at twilight. Then they set up camp, made a fire, opened wine, and slipped into their usual ritual of thankfulness when three men dressed in camouflage, carrying rifles, crept out of the night and into their camp. The girls had all been completely startled, instantly suspicious of men with guns. One of the men, clearly the alpha male, was tree-trunk thick and sported a chest-length beard, His rifle was slung over his shoulder. "'What are you girls doing out here alone in the woods?' This question didn't sit well with Andra. "'I don't see how that's any of your business,' she said, her red hair and green eyes shimmering from the flickering campfire. "'We aren't bothering anyone, and we'd prefer to be left alone.' The bearded man let his gaze fall onto each of the women, then settled on Andra. I'm Riley. He nodded toward the smallest of the men, who was clean-shaven and thin. That's Kenny. He then nodded to the other hunter, a man of average height, but who was wearing a black eye patch over his left eye. A ragged scar ran down his left cheek. This here is Dale. Kenny nodded at the girls. Dale glanced around the campsite taking in every detail. Tara was the negotiator of the group, and seeing how Andra's response could be construed as rude, she said, I'm Tara. These are my friends. We're just enjoying the beautiful night, and is there anything we can help you gentlemen with? Riley let his gaze linger on Tara for a heartbeat before he responded. We don't usually see a group of pretty young women all alone out in these woods, especially at night. Dunwich Forest can be dangerous. Ain't that right, Kenny? Kenny stood a few feet to the right of Riley. He was looking over at the large tent the girls had set up. Yep, people go missing in these woods all the time. So Y'all girls sleeping together in one tent. Andra bristled, taking the man's question as if it was born out of some sapphic fantasy. But Tara spoke before she could say anything. We appreciate the concern, but we can take care of ourselves. She glanced at Kara and Nancy and Allison, saw their apprehension and growing fear. And yes, it seems safer to share the tent. Dale stood to Riley's left. He took a step toward the tent, seemingly intending to look inside. Kara was lean and muscular. She taught yoga and kickboxing, and though she was the quietest of the group, she was not the type to let anyone intimidate her or her friends. She stood up from her camping chair and stepped between Dale and the tent, blocking his view. There's nothing in there that you need to see. The look on Dale's face made it clear he didn't like that she was stopping him from looking inside the tent. He glanced over at Riley. It was clear to all the girls that unspoken communication was happening. It made sense that if these men hunted together, that they had learned to communicate with subtle looks and gestures so as not to spook their prey. Kara stood her ground. Tara slowly pushed herself up from the log she was sitting on. She held one of the wine bottles by the neck, clearly intending to use it as a weapon, knowing it wouldn't be enough against three large men with rifles. Allison was tall and curvy and hated any type of conflict. She leaned forward in her camp chair and wrapped her arms around herself, clearly trying to stay calm. Nancy's eyes were wide with growing fear, but she pushed herself up and also positioned herself in front of the tent. She was short and zoftig, and it was painfully clear that she was no match for any of these men. Riley glanced at the two SUVs parked a few feet away, then back to Tara. Those yours? Tension filled the campsite. Tara stood by her sisters who were blocking the tents, protecting their privacy, but she also knew that she had to de-escalate or the situation might turn deadly. Yes, the Blazer is mine, the Explorer is Katie's. Riley shot a glance at Kenny, who in turn looked over at the SUVs. Those are nice, Riley said. They look mighty good with those windows tinted. Ain't you been thinking about tinting the windows in your truck, Kenny? Kenny nodded. I sure have. I believe I'd like to take a closer look. Allison began to rock back and forth in her chair, hugging herself tightly. She began mumbling something under her breath. When the men came into the campsite, Katie had just checked on their food, which was stored in the back of the Explorer. She stood her ground by blocking Kenny from looking inside the SUV. Can I ask you what it is that you men want? Tara asked, gripping the neck of the wine bottle, wishing she had a more substantial weapon. We'd really just like to be left alone. Kenny took a step closer to the Explorer, Katie held her ground, but her heart hammered in her chest. Allison continued to rock and chant. Andra was by far the bravest of the group. She was lean and strong and loved the outdoors. She pushed herself up from her camp chair and brushed a strand of dark hair behind her ear. Her stance was stoic, her muscles taut. She was like a cat ready to pounce. Riley's eyes narrowed. What we want is to make sure you ladies are safe. You see, people come up missing all the time around these parts. Just the other day, a young woman about your age done went missing and ain't nobody found her. It sure would be a shame if something like that happened to you pretty ladies. Tara felt her skin crawl. Her pulse quickened. She needed to defuse the situation, get these men away from them. Then she and the rest of the girls would pack up and leave this place. I appreciate your concern for us, she said, but we can handle ourselves. Riley shook his head. We just want to make sure you're all safe, and to do that, we need to take a look inside your tents and your cars. Tara shook her head. I'm going to have to say no to that. You are no longer welcome here. Dale stood a few feet away from Nancy. Kenny stood a few feet away from Katie. Both men looked at Riley, their Alpha, as if awaiting his command. Riley slid his rifle from his shoulder and held it with the barrel pointed at the ground. Kenny and Dale did the same. When Allison saw this, she began to cry. She pushed herself up from her chair, still hugging herself tightly. While all the girls were attractive, Allison clearly got the most compliments from the people about her looks. Because the night was mild and that there was a fire, she had chosen to wear tight-fitting shorts that showed her long legs and a sweatshirt that was cut short, exposing her midriff. All three of the men's eyes locked on her. Riley was quick to look away, as if embarrassed. Dale and Kenny could not help but let their eyes linger. Katie saw this as her chance. Before the hunters showed up, she had gotten into her explorer to check on their food and to retrieve a dagger. It was ancient. The hilt carved like intertwined snakes. The eight-inch blade, razor sharp. She had shoved it into the pocket of her hoodie when the men showed up. While Kenny was distracted by Allison's beauty, she stepped forward and pulled the blade from her pocket and sliced his throat. Kenny gave a surprised gurgle, dropped his rifle, and fell to his knees. Katie then slung the knife at Dale. It sunk deep into his shoulder. Unfazed, he lifted his rifle and aimed it at Katie. Nancy screeched and clawed at Dale's good eye, blocking his shot. He stepped back, pointed the gun at her, and squeezed the trigger. The shot was deafening, and Nancy fell to the ground with a large hole in her chest. Allison stopped her crying, which had been a ruse all along. She snatched up a holly branch that she used as her wand. It was ten inches long, tapering into a sharp point. She rushed at Dale, chanting a spell. Dale swung the rifle around but froze, unable to move due to the black magic that held him in place. Riley fired off a shot, and Allison fell back into the tent, missing half her face. Tara snatched at Riley's rifle while spewing a blinding spell. But Riley was too fast and pulled the trigger. The bullet tore through Tara's throat and she fell in a bloody heap. Katie screamed in rage. She snatched her own wand from her chair and flicked her wrist while chanting. The force of the spell dropped Riley to his knees. Dale stepped over and rammed the butt of his rifle into her temple. Katie's world swam, grew dark, and she fell to the ground. Kara and Andra both snatched their wands and ran off into the woods. Riley pushed himself up and motioned at Dale. Go, get them. I'll tie this one up and be right behind you. Dale pulled the dagger from his shoulder and shot off after Kara and Andra. Riley knew his friend was an exceptional hunter one who had experienced more than one life-threatening encounter with the paranormal creatures who roamed this cursed forest, and he also knew that they had never had to fight a coven of witches who wielded dark magic. He had brought along his knapsack, in which was rope and extra ammunition. He used the rope to bind Katie's hands. He tossed the other end of the rope over the oak limb and pulled her up until her feet dangled three feet above the ground. He hoped this would hold her until he could help Dale capture or kill the other two witches. Cody Marshall was a seven-year-old boy who had gone missing from a playground earlier in the day. Riley and Dale and Kenny had been one of many groups of townsfolk who had volunteered to hunt for the boy. However, only a handful of people in Nevermore Hollows knew the paranormal truth of the town and its surroundings. Riley and Dale and Kenny had spent enough time in the woods to see some of the strange beasts that roamed Dunwich Forest, and because of that, Sheriff Mosley, who also knew the dark truth, had asked them to search the woods. They had been searching for Cody the whole day, and when they had come upon the group of women, they were immediately filled with suspicion. Nobody camped in these woods unless they were ignorant of the evil that lived here, or they were confident they could somehow control that evil. And when the women had become so set against him looking into the explorer, his suspicions increased. He sensed they were less concerned about being left alone to enjoy the evening and more concerned about protecting something they were hiding After he got Katie strung up, he popped the back hatch of the Explorer and found Cody bound and gagged in the cargo hold. He was unconscious. There was no telling what these witches had given the poor boy or how long it would last. He felt it was best to leave him be until he helped Dale capture the other two witches. He closed the hatch and took off into the woods. When he had only gone about 20 yards, he heard a shot, followed by a scream. He raced toward the shot, knowing that Dale would not have fired on the woman, even though she was a witch unless provoked to do so. Now that Katie remembered everything, she seethed with anger. How dare these men come uninvited into their sacred space and stop them from performing their sacrifice to the spirits who had so blessed them this past year? She had to get loose. But first, she needed to calm her mind. She closed her eyes and took deep breaths. After a few moments, she opened her eyes and began to chant a summoning spell. Two minutes passed, and she heard rustling coming from beyond the circle of campfire light. She continued to chant. Then, a tall, hairy beast stepped into view. What stood before her was a mixture of cougar and human, it stood six feet tall, was covered in tawny fur, and with powerful arms ending in sharp claws. Its ears twitched at Katie's chanting. It hissed, exposing thick yellow fangs. Its long black tipped tail twitched from side to side. Katie heard one of the hunters yell out. Then there was a gunshot and Kara screamed, damn it, Katie said. She looked at the weir cougar and said, Free me. The beast's eyes narrowed, and it shook its head from side to side, as if saying no. Free me, and I will be forever in your debt, Katie said. But hurry, do it now, before the hunters come back. The cougar gave a low, guttural growl. Then it stepped over to Katie and began using its claws to cut the rope. But before it could free her, Riley and Dale stepped out of the dark forest, carrying the lifeless bodies of Andra and Kara. "'Oh, shit,' Dale said. He was carrying Andra. He dropped her and aimed at the cougar. Riley slowly lowered Kara's body to the ground. He unslung his gun and also pointed it at the beast. Katie knew there was only one way out of this situation. "'Kill them,' she commanded the cougar." The cougar's eyes narrowed at her, and it gave another low, defiant growl. Before the hunters could fire a shot, the cougar dropped to all fours and shot off into the dark woods. As Riley and Dale tried to process what they had just seen, they heard voices and the crackle of radio chatter. Someone called out from the darkness, Riley, is that you? That's Sheriff Mosley. Dale said, and it sounds like he brought some reinforcements. Riley nodded. Just before we stepped into this camp, I texted him, telling him where we were and that I was suspicious of these women. Sheriff Mosley stepped into the campsite. He was average height, but looked somehow bigger in his tan uniform and black Stetson. It was the way he walked with authority and a take-no-shit attitude. He was followed by two deputies, both of whom had their guns drawn. Mosley looked at the carnage and said, Witches? Riley nodded, Yep. And the boy is in the Explorer, unconscious. They were clearly going to sacrifice him, but we got here before the moon was completely overhead. Mosley nodded his understanding. Many covens preferred to delay their rituals until the full moon was at its apex in the sky. He looked at his deputies and motioned toward Katie. Cut her down. Be careful. If she starts to chant, use pepper spray on her. The deputies were both young. One was Charlie Harrington, the other Sylvie Batson. But they had both seen dark and terrible things, and they were prepared. They got Katie down and cuffed her. She glared at Riley and Dale. Then she cut her eyes at Mosley. You'll regret this. I'll see to it. Mosley was unfazed. I'm sure you'll try. But we have a special place here in Nevermore where we put evil creatures like you. It's called Morning Star Sanitarium. Katie spat on the ground at Mosley's feet. I hate you. Mosley shrugged. I'm sure you do. I'm just glad we got here when we did, Dale said. If we'd been any later, these witches would have sacrificed Cody to whatever demon they worship. And I wouldn't have wanted his mama to see his body after they finished with him. Katie rolled her eyes. You're an idiot. There wouldn't have been a body. Dale was confused. What do you mean? Katie gave an unholy smile. This wasn't just a sacrifice. It would have also been a feast, and there would have been nothing left of the boy but his bones when we were finished, and those we would have crushed to powder and used in our potions. Even in the dying light of the campfire, Katie could see that the hunters and the deputies paled, but she could also see a righteous anger smoldering in Mosley's eyes. His hand gripped the butt of his steel-holstered gun, as if he were struggling to control himself. "'I will not be your executioner tonight,' he growled, "'but I will bring you to justice in this life, "'and it is my absolute belief that you will receive the ultimate judgment you deserve in the next.'" With that, the deputies hauled Katie off to their cruiser that was parked back at the main road. Dale was clearly shaken. Did I understand that correctly? These witches are also cannibals? Mosley nodded. You heard right. The three men stood quietly, considering the fallenness of this world. After a moment, Mosley said, It's terrible we lost Kenny here tonight, and the death of these women is unfortunate. But they chose to walk the dark path. Now let's get the boy to his mother. When you see the relief on her face, you will know that what you had to do here tonight was righteous. And that will keep you sane.